Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Greyfriars. Uh, as I'm sure Natalie's already explained to you, uh, I'm speaking to you by video uh, because either I've tested positive for COVID uh, or, as you might be able to hear, I'm not feeling particularly well. Uh, so we thought it would be better that we hearken back to the good old days uh, of me speaking to you from my study at home. So I'm really sorry not to be with you, um, but I'm thrilled to be able to still open this incredible passage of scripture, Romans 8, with you. Uh, and even though we're in this slightly weird setup of me on a screen recorded the day before, uh, I am believing and trusting that God wants to speak to us this morning by his spirit. Uh, so I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into this passage. Do keep it open in front of you uh, this morning as we look through it. But let's pray and then we'll get into Romans 8. Lord God, we ask that you would come and fill uh, each one of us with your spirit. Uh, that as we come to your word now, uh, you would show us Jesus that you'd be gracious towards us and amaze us again with your love. And we ask this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I imagine it will come as no surprise to you uh, that I am a big believer in preaching, uh, in someone getting up in church and seeking to declare the good news of God from the scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but if I can be really honest with you, I think there is a potential uh, risk, a potential danger in the format of preaching that is so familiar to us at a church uh, like our own. And it's one that I think is worth us being aware of. Uh, because if you were to come off of the street now into our church uh, with no context of what church is like, then it would be easy for you to interpret what we're doing right now as a lecture. You know, it might seem like I'm here this morning to take this text of the Bible and to analyse it and dissect it and pull it apart until we all gain some clever new understanding and insight. And we're able to take away some lesson from this morning, as it were, neatly packaged, easy to remember and comfortable for us to understand. But to, uh, to quote a grey wizard from a popular fantasy novel that will remain anonymous, uh, he that breaks a thing to find out what it has, uh, to find out what it is, has left the path of wisdom. The point of us coming to the Bible each week is, is not primarily to, to break it apart and neatly package it back up. It is rather to hold it in front of our eyes, to savour it, to proclaim it each week, and to wonder at what God is saying to us through it. And this morning, as, as we come, as, as we've said to this incredible passage in Romans 8, that is what I want us to do. 
because it's a passage that comes at the end of this incredible section of Romans, chapters 5 through 8, in which the author Paul has been celebrating and proclaiming the good news of our salvation in Jesus Christ, freely given to us because of God's love and grace towards those who put their faith and trust in him. It's an absolutely beautiful section of scripture summed up in this wonderful section that we've read this morning. It's a section which kind of Romans crescendos to, it culminates in this section and Paul wraps up everything he's been saying in these last uh, three or four chapters in these verses that we've read. The theologian Tom Wright says that the end of Romans 8 deserves to be written in letters of fire on the living tablets of our hearts. It's as if in these verses, it's as if Paul is saying, look at what Jesus has done for us. And here's the summary. Here's what Paul is saying Jesus has done. He says that God is for us and therefore nothing can separate us from God's love. That's the summary of the gospel that Paul proclaims. And so I want to do my absolute best for us this morning to hold that up in front of our eyes and not to dissect it or or to try and uh, grasp it with our intelligence and, and make it tidy with logic, but rather to marvel and wonder together at what Jesus has done for us. That's what we're going to do, but, but that's not to say that a passage like this is without uh, logic. And so what I want to do is just walk through it step by step so that we can really hear what God is saying. And what I think we will see is that Paul emphasises three areas. Three areas in which we are totally secure in God's love as we go through life. Because Paul tells us that we are safe from opposition, from accusation and from separation. So let's look at each of those in turn. Firstly, put your Bibles open in front of you, verses 31 and 32. Paul says that we are safe from any and all opposition. If God is for us, who can be against us? I think the power of words like that really depend upon uh, the person who is saying them. You know, throughout history, God is on our side. It has been said by rulers and emperors and conquerors claiming divine authority and protection over their, their own plans and purposes. It's been used as a, a sort of divine rubber stamp for whatever those in power who take on the name of God have chosen to do. And that can make words like that feel cheap and somehow hollow. But I want to suggest that words like that feel very different when they're on the lips or on the pen of a man like Paul. Because remember, Paul was an underdog. Just listen to this summary of his ministry that Paul writes in another letter. He says, I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. 
Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have known hunger and thirst and I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Paul was not a victorious man living a cushy life he was an embattled and struggling member of a persecuted minority who believed with his whole heart that god was on his side in the fates of hatred and misunderstanding and attack he was able to continue with confidence and grace because of his conviction that he was on the God of all things team. It's a conviction that's been held around the world and down through the ages by many Christians who have faced violence and persecution for believing in the name of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of that sort of harsh treatment, a painful reality. Paul and, and our brothers and sisters around the world, Paul and they are confident in the good news of Jesus Christ that none of those things, indeed nothing at all, could stand against us as a threat. Paul was confident that there is nothing other than God that will have the last word about our lives and our ultimate destination in eternity. But what is Paul's confidence? How can Paul be so sure in the face of such opposition? What well, he says, doesn't he, in, in verse, verse 32, he says, if God would give us his own son, Jesus would come to earth and be one of us and give his own life for our sakes. What else could there possibly be that he wouldn't do for us or give to us in order to protect us and provide for us? Do you know the greatest price possible has already been paid for you? God has shown that he holds you and me as of infinite value to him. So what other mountains could there possibly be that he would not move on our behalf? And so for Paul, for you, for me, means that we don't need to fear any opposition. Not because we won't face any opposition. Of course we will. Of course we do. Paul was a testament to that. Suffering and hardship were, were a feature of his life. They're a guarantee for any Christian, for any person. But as those loved by God, we can be certain that none of those things will have the final say in our lives. God is for us and his purposes and plans for us are good and sure. Paul says that we are safe from all opposition. Secondly, in verses 33 and 34, he says that we are safe from all accusation. 
Who can condemn us? He asks. No one comes the reply. God justifies us. Shame is a destructive force in our lives and in our world, isn't it? You know, all of us feel guilt from time to time, that heavy sense that we've done something wrong. And, and often it's because we have done something wrong. You know, guilt sometimes is a right emotional response to the mistakes that we've made. But the problem for many of us is that that voice of guilt can fester and spread until it becomes the voice of shame. You know, the accusation, not just that we have done something wrong, but that we are something wrong. That there's something about our very nature that is broken and twisted and irredeemable. Something about us that can't be mended or fixed. And that is the voice of condemnation. Maybe that's a voice that you're familiar with. And if you are, and I'm sure if you feel that way this morning, you're not the only person in the room who feels it. If you feel that shame and hear that voice of condemnation, then the creator and sustainer of the universe, our judge and our redeemer, has declared you and made you pure and whole. That when any voice calls you guilty, God himself calls you innocent. That's what Paul is saying in these verses. But, but he doesn't stop there because in verse 34, he reminds us that our saviour, Jesus Christ, is our advocate. And that he is right now, right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for you. He is placing your needs before God. He's sharing and holding up your concerns and your challenges and asking God to bless you and be merciful towards you. In every moment that you've needed God's help and you found your own prayers woefully small and lacking, Jesus has been praying on your behalf to God bending his ear with what you need reminding God of, of the innocence that Jesus won for you through his own death and resurrection and with that in mind Paul asks who can condemn you and the answer comes back no one there is no need for you to carry around any shame because the judge himself calls you innocent and has forgiven your sins if you trust in Jesus Christ. Yes, we all make mistakes. Sometimes we make really big mistakes that sow chaos into our lives and into the lives of others. And you know what? In this world, we... We live with that and we have to face the consequences of that. And when it happens, we have to repent. We have to turn away from our sin and be obedient to Jesus again. But, but you don't need to carry any shame with you. 
God has removed your sins from you as far as the as far as the east is from the west and he has called you innocent and he has made you holy in Jesus Christ you do not stand condemned follower of Jesus you are innocent Eugene Peterson the author of the message uh, translation of the Bible he, he puts it like this he says not indifference not doubt not guilt can put out the fire of God's love in and for us believer in Jesus you are safe and thirdly finally we are safe from separation from God that's what it says in verses 35 to 39 who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing is able to separate us from that love of God. You know, at the end of this passage, in these last few verses, there's a there's a shift away from where Paul started. You know, those first few verses where he's talking about all that Jesus has done for us. And here at the end, Paul turns towards Jesus' attitude attitude towards us because because Paul finishes this section by proclaiming that God's people are more than defended and they're more than acquitted but more than that more fundamentally uh, we are loved and to stress this point Paul lists the troubles and enemies uh, that God's people are likely to face so list that he's personally and intimately aware of from his own life and experience. And he does it with rhetorical force. He says, uh, he says that all things in creation, things above and things below, good and evil, things still to come and, and the things all around us, all things. He says none of them are a threat to the believer's closeness and relationship with God. None of them, nothing, no thing can separate us from God's love. But again, even more than that, he dares to suggest that, that the very opposition that we might face in God's good purposes, in our total security, uh, can be used by God for our good. That's how we become, as it says in these verses, more than conquerors. When the things that stand against us become the means of God's grace, by which we're drawn closer to Jesus and made more like him. When our, as the pastor and author John Tyson puts it, when our trial becomes our testimony, our testimony, when our trial becomes our testimony and we know these people don't we people whose stories are, are of God turning their lives around even in the midst of their worst mistakes their hardest battles the darkest days of their lives we know the stories don't we of God turning around even the worst situ situations because nothing can separate us from God's love you know in these verses Paul wants believers to be confident in their security 
God is for us, he says, and nothing can separate us from God's love. And as we as we now come to finish, I just want to give us a moment to reflect and allow God by his spirit to speak to us of the truth of these verses. And I want to do that by actually asking the questions of ourselves that Paul asks in these verses. And as we do that, I'm going to leave us some space and, and I want you to be really honest with yourself. I want you to allow the truth to bubble up in your hearts and, and minds uh, so that we might be able to confront the lies that we live by, the lies that live inside us, and confront them with the truth of the good news about Jesus, that God is for us. And nothing can separate us from his love. And so in, in the silence, in your own heads and hearts, just answer these questions that Paul asks in these verses. Who can stand against you and threaten you? Who condemns you and calls you guilty and broken? What are you afraid will separate you from God's love? As we ask those questions, maybe just some really painful answers bubble up. Things that you realise you believe might get between you and God. And as that happens, I wonder if there might be three categories that... that those kind of mainly fall into for us. You know, maybe you face internal battles. Maybe it's the voice in your own head and heart that is doubting and critiquing you, that makes you question whether God could really love you. Maybe you're aware in your story that there are external voices friends or, or family or, or the culture that would mock and judge and fail to understand the new life that is yours in Christ. And you know, for many of us, maybe there's supernatural opposition. This verse talks of powers and principalities that are arrayed against all of us. But sometimes we experience it uniquely and particularly and painfully in our circumstances and our struggles. Do whatever answer bubbled up for you, Paul wants to assure you, Jesus through these words by his spirit wants to assure you that nothing and no one, above or below, inside or out, can ever separate you from God's love, from God's blessing for God's good intention for your life and your character and your soul. God wants to remind you that because of what Jesus has done for you, what is most true about you is that you are safe and secure and held in your Saviour's love and his plans for you are good. And he will see them through to the end. 
This is the truth of the gospel that Paul would hold before our eyes and say, look at what Jesus has done. But you know, this is, a this is not a lecture. This is a sermon. And the risk is that this could all be just words and ideas. But you know, what you and I need is revelation. We need God to step in and make this true in our hearts and lives. So as we finish, I'm just going to pray. Uh, I'll do that briefly and then hand back over to people who are actually there in the room. Uh, but I'm going to pray that God by his spirit and would come and make real to us uh, what God has done for us. That he is for us and that nothing can separate us from his love. So let's pray. Lord God, we long for more than just understanding. God, we want to live and know and trust the truth that you are for us and that we are secure and safe forever in your love. And so God, I want to pray now that by your spirit at work in us, you'd give us confidence. God, that you cast out shame and you'd amaze us afresh with your love. And so come Holy Spirit.